You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. I don't know about you guys, and I don't know if I've ever brought this up before, but the intro music to this podcast gets me freaking really excited. So I, I, I feel that with good intro music, you can create some like, a, like an energy, and hopefully that energy that's created at the intro can is maintained the rest of the podcast, and uh, I don't know. I just thought I'd bring that up. Uh, Guys, it's November 10th, and I'm tagged out. I was tagged out on November 3rd this year. Uh, I, I was I was ready to get in there and grind it out until the 16th of November before I had to go back to work on the 17th, but today is the 9th, and I was back at work already, and I, I got the opportunity to save some uh, save some hunting time. Uh, some vacation time and, uh, you know, use it towards other things. But, uh, I tell you what, it feels good and bad at the same time to be tagged out. Um, and that, that tells me that I almost love the chase and the actual hunt as much as I do the kill because it's, you know, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, some of the best days of the year. Uh, as a matter of fact, I went out and checked a trail camera w- with my daughter tonight, and then we drove around the section, and there were deer chasing in fields. Um, I had a 160-inch buck cross the road in front of me. I had uh, um, another, probably a 130-class 8-pointer out in the field tending and, you know, scent-checking a couple does tonight. And I kind of wish I was out there, but only one tag, and you know, now I got to wait till late season, hopefully, but I'm not going to get in today to the actual story of the, of the buck, um, and, and how I harvested it and, and all that stuff. If you guys want to listen to that, I actually talked with it to Mark Canyon on the wired to hunt podcast this week. Uh, it's just me and him talking about our, our, our rut and our, uh, our year so far. And, and I, I tell my story of the buck that I ended up shooting this year there. So go, so go check that out. Um, but it feels good, uh, and bad to be tagged out, man. It's it just, it tells, it tells you how much you actually love the sport when 
you almost wish you weren't tagged out because I'm not, I don't know about you, but the best free show on earth, and I'm not saying it's free, but if a guy wanted to just watch deer rut, rut around and run and chase does in the woods and fight and grunt and snort wheeze and all that stuff, you, all you got to do is walk into the woods this time of year and it's like a movie. It's a different movie every every hunt, every sit, uh, for me anyway. And yeah, there's times where you you really feel like grinding, but then there's times where time just stops and you are transported to a different galaxy. I mean, that sounds weird, but you you everything you know you see a, a big buck or a deer step out it doesn't even have to be a buck. It could be just a doe walking through and you're focused on her you forget about absolutely everything that is is negative in your life at that time you're focused on that and it just disappears that that's one reason i love hunting as much as i do but i'm kind of getting off on a a crazy crazy tangent today but actually one of my really really good friends shot a buck which would have been Tuesday of this week, which would have been uh, the 8th, the morning of the 8th. And uh, he sent me a picture and uh, I'm like, dude, just come on the podcast right now. So uh, we got him on the podcast and uh, he's going to talk about uh, this really cool, unique buck that he ended up harvesting this year. And uh, his name's Brent Rich. He's a, a long, long, long time friend of mine. Uh, we were doing dumb shit before dumb shit was even invented it seems like i i I know this is not not a good thing to say but i think aside from one other guy me and him got kicked out of more bars in in our life than there's got to be a record for for that but uh i it's good buddy and uh, I'm glad he's had success in the past couple of years, and especially this year. And that's the bu- that's the buck we're going to talk about uh, in today's Hunter Profile podcast is uh, the buck that he ended up shooting this year. We're going to get into uh, how he approaches the season. We talk a little bit about uh, getting his uh, kids involved in hunting, just kind of a BS session, so to speak. But, you know, it's that time of year, guys. Get out in the woods. Oh, I, f- I forgot. I ended up... Uh, forgetting to do the true ball release giveaway last week on the podcast so i'm gonna do it with this podcast now i'm gonna we're, we're going to give away a, a true ball release and uh you're gonna have to listen to the entire podcast and i'll uh, let you know at the end what we need to do uh to be entered into that drawing but uh before we get into today's podcast, I spoke with John Livingston from Deer Lab about how can Deer Lab help me kill a big buck? Sure, that's a great question, Dan. Um, you know, all of us as hunters are trying to get as much information about a particular deer um, as possible. And usually we just have trail camera photos. We might have a sighting of it. Um, but most of the time it's off of a trail camera photo. And so what we're trying to do is really take the data from that trail camera photo and really be able to give you valuable information off of it. There's so much data behind trail camera photos and just looking at a photo is not going to give you that much information. Uh, We automatically sync in with your local weather station and pull weather data 
all the way down from moon phases to wind speed, wind direction, a lot of information that trail cameras can't capture. Um, but we really give you simple-to-use reports such as our heat map, which allows you to visually see on your property where a particular buck is at certain times of the day as well as certain dates throughout the year. Um, there's a lot of different things that we can do, but we really try to automate as much as possible and give you kind of a data sheet for a particular profiled buck that you can create an action plan. If you guys want to find out more information about Deer Lab and how Deer Lab works, visit DeerLab.com backslash nine fingers. And by entering in backslash nine fingers and signing up, you will receive a free 30-day trial period. That's more than the free trial period at the regular website. So uh, they're hooking the Nine Finger Chronicle fans up with a, a free 30-day trial um, just for signing up, and you don't have to give a credit card or anything like that. Just uh, sign up for a free trial and uh, enter your trail camera photos. I'm telling you guys, it'll help you pattern deer straight up. Now, let's get into today's Hunter Profile slash BS Session podcast with my good buddy, Brent Rich. All right, on the phone with me now, as I can officially say this, you're my boy. Because yeah. of, of all the guests that I've ever had on the uh on this podcast, me and you go back the absolute furthest. For sure, for sure. <laughs> I you know, we me and you could probably tell some stories about the the younger years before uh the wives and the kids but uh that might uh be incriminating yeah and if only we remember <laughs> half of it <laughs> that is a fact but um we got my boy uh your name is brent rich you're from uh southeast iowa uh why don't you uh tell us a little bit about where you know where you're from and uh what do you do for a living well um like you said i'm from southeast iowa um, born and raised, only left to go to college and came right back home. Um, couldn't stand to be away too much, too long. You know how that goes. Um, I'm just like, uh, probably 95% of your listeners, man. Um, work a full-time job, um, have a wife, two kids, two crazy dogs. Um, and, and, and I just grind it out. That's what I do. Um, I'm a correction officer the state of Iowa, um, at a minimum security prison here in town. So I'm also a soldier in the Iowa Army National Guard. I got 10 years in there. And um, I, in the spare time that I do have, I volunteer. I just got on as a Henry County Sheriff's Deputy um, Reserve. So Oh, I didn't busy. even know that. Yeah, I just, I'm going through training right now. So uh, busy, busy, busy. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how are the... How are the two boys? I saw uh, your oldest actually harvested his first doe this year. Is that right? Correct. He um he's uh he's he's got it, man. You know, some guys just seem to have it. Um, that's him. He shot his first turkey at six. Um, actually, his first and second turkey he shot a, a Jake and a mature tom, and then he shot his first buck last year at seven during the Iowa youth season, and then. We are on a, We have a couple of long stories about bucks with him this year. Um, he set his goals a little high, I believe, for a eight-year-old boy. Um, <laughs> but uh, tell you what, man, God bless him. He kept to his. He passed deer that I don't think a lot of grown men would pass, um, and ended up was only able to harvest a doe. Um, but we've 
he's provided for our family. Um, he, we just had a big chili cook-off at our church this past weekend, and his dough, most of his dough meat went to that. So he was, we're thankful for that, and, um, and he understands um, the good that comes from it. So awesome. he's, he's definitely had some success. He's, uh, you know, he's a little mini-me. He, uh, he's a hell of a shed hunter. He's, he finds more shirts than I do. He's got more <laughs> shirts than I do. He's got more match sets than I do. He even found his biggest match set to date the day he shot his turkey. We were out looking for his turkey, and he found it. So the kid's wow. all so uh, he's uh, he's got the itch for the outdoors, right? He he does. He was very upset with me. Um, I shot my buck yesterday, which we'll get into later on in the conversation. And uh, he, I shot him at seven thirty in the morning. Of course, called home right away before the boys went to school, and he was uh, not happy that I made him go to school yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he definitely wanted to be part of it. He likes to get his hands dirty. Um, he's got no problem getting in there. It's actually kind of nice when I go to field dress. He uh, he's learned. Um, I do the cutting. He does the grabbing and ripping and pulling. So, oh, nice. Yeah, uh, good to he, have a helper like that. It. Oh, it's like, definitely. It makes things easier too. Well, um, I got a um, you know. Speaking of your uh, your son here, I got a question for you. What did you do? as a father who is a hunter to maybe spark his, spark his interest. How did you start him into the, the quote unquote lifestyle? Well, um, fortunately we're diehard Hawkeye fans. And yeah. so we watch a lot of Hawkeye athletics and, um, they seem to disappoint more than <laughs> And so I just kind of always relate. Well, there's always hunting season. And uh, when we're down in our luck, we just go out and do something hunting related, whether that be shoot our bows, check check cameras. I mean, there's, you know how it goes. There's all kinds of chores to do. Um, no, but in all seriousness, um, I just, I kind of, um, and, you know, I wasn't raised hunting. Um, I shotgun hunted growing up as a kid and, um, you know, around here, if it's brown, it's down. And you, yourself, and a couple of our mutual friends is actually what turned me on to bow hunting. And I was, and I think I was in like my third sophomore year of college when I started bow hunting. So, um, you know, I just kind of, I was new to it. So I was soaking up all the information as well about the time he was born and, uh, just watch a lot of TV shows. Um, you know, the same thing everybody else does internet blog podcast. Yeah. Um, and just the, you know, the sportsman's channel, the outdoor channel. He likes, we like to watch a lot of that. We like to watch a lot of survival shows and whatnot. And so, um, just anything that I do, I kind of just really focus on including my family. And I think that that in the long run helps things go a lot smoother when it comes to the home front. Right. So it's almost like as you were learning to bow hunt, you were involving him in, in all of that as well. Does that sound accurate? Correct. Correct. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I know this is a kind of a short, a short conversation on a big topic, but is, has there ever been a point where maybe you pushed him a little bit too hard and maybe you may have seen him back interest and that was your, you know, lose interest. And that was your point to maybe back off a little bit, or was it just where he was just into it from the get go? He, he was, I mean, he jumped head first into it. He surrounded himself with it. Him and his little buddies, you know, they got a little hunting clan together. They want to start, you know, do the whole nine yards and videotape and trail cams and stuff like that. Um, 
which for an eight-year-old <laughs> says a lot about his passion about the outdoors. Um, there's right. been a couple times where I feel, and it's never been like, oh, I don't know, I'm out pushing the issue. Um, a couple times, you know, over the summer, my wife teaches, so they're home during the summer. And I would realize a lot of that time to go hang sets and trim out lanes and stuff. And he always want to come. So I would, you know, I would bring him. But for me to go out there and do, you know, take full advantage of it, you know, it's an eight or 10 hour day. And, you know, it's a hundred freaking degrees outside. So I'd have to kind of keep that in mind. So there'd be a couple of days where, you know, he'd, he would say he'd want to go home and I'd have to tell, you know, kind of bribe him to stick it out with a swimming pool or Dairy Queen or something. <laughs> um, um, but but for the most part, I think he's been, he's, he, we've never really had an issue. We had a call, a close call last year. Um, we were out shot, I believe we were shotgunning. It's first shotgun season. I mean, my aunt and uncle on a little like hundred acre property, um, just here in North Henry County. And, um, like I said, he already harvested a buck. He's already harvested two turkeys at this point. Um, we spend a lot of time shooting. We're very pro second amendment. Um, and so we spend a lot of time at the range and shooting and whatnot. He shot, you know, up to including my ARs, um, pistols. Um, he's familiar with weaponry. And uh, for whatever reason, one day we're out sitting and a, and a big old doe came out and, you know, he had a doe tag left and he was going to fill it. And, you know, he didn't, He for whatever reason, he froze. He he was, a, a, you know, at aim with his new shotgun and um, just didn't want to pull the trigger and started crying and stuff like that. So we just really had to, had to talk about that and whatnot and, you know, that I wasn't upset. He was worried about letting me down or whatever. So, Oh, okay. The big thing is just being positive. I mean, let them make that choice. If 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 just seeing the deer or whatever animal you're you're trying to harvest um, is fine for them, then that's fine with me. So right, um, right. You know, his biggest issue was he thought he let me down. You know, we had to cry and he had the crying and the whining and all that stuff going on. But I just kept reiterating, hey, it's fine. You know, no big deal. We'll get him next time and whatever. And he went out and he shot, I assume, the same doe like a week later. So nice. Or, uh, no, uh, he missed it. He shot at it, missed it, but shot at it a week yeah. later. So, um, you know, it's just everybody, you know, if he's eight at that time, he was seven. You know, they have those right. days. Um, we all have those days. And so you just got to kind of go with the flow. If they're feeling it, then keep going. If they're not feeling it, then back off, uh, I guess right. would be my recommendation for that. And then, you know, on the topic, I have a six-year-old son as well who shows no interest in shooting guns whatsoever. Um, fact, actually, like, doesn't like it. Sits in the car and puts his headphones on and plays games or whatever. But um, he does show interest in archery. So we focus on that. You know, find what they do yeah. and take it take it as far as they want to go with it and let it go. And, um, you know, my everybody's different. My six, My eight-year-old at six was killing was hardest an animal my six-year-old now um totally not even close to being mature enough to even understand the concept of doing that um even with you know my success as a hunter being able to harvest some great animals so um two different kids two different two different minds two different bodies um so i'm kind of learning as i go with the six-year-old as well so i guess that's my that's my story on that you know i'm i'll tell you what it's kind of funny my daughter's three and uh, I took her to check a trail camera with me tonight. And uh, then we drove around and tonight, you know, me and you were both tagged out early. So we're not in the tree stand. I just decided to drive around the section of the property that I hunt. And there was deer all over. Mm-hmm. And it was cool tonight for me because I had a conversation with my daughter about 
hunting and she was taking interest and she's like, Oh daddy, that's a big buck. You know, she didn't know if it was a buck or not, but that's a big buck and I'm going to shoot it. So she's getting the concept. Now I just kind of got to, you know, lay that path out for her to the, you know, you know, to that next level where like where your son was at. So, so, and then go ahead. I was just going to say, and then my son, I think he's going to be, just like daddy and just like your boy where he's just like, let's go. What are we waiting for? I don't need to go to school today. It's November, you know, that kind of, that kind of deal. But today, you know, that's kind of an intro into today. Um, you, you shot in what I think is a stud buck, a little, uh, non-typical action going on today. Um, And, uh, I'm going to, I want to talk about that, but we're going to build up into, into that, you know, this season and that, and that particular hunt or the series of hunts that led you to that harvest. But why don't you tell the listeners, maybe lay out the property that you hunt, uh, explain it, explain the terrain, explain um, the details, uh, you know, the timber, the CRP, all that stuff, and, and kind of explain the, the property that you've been hunting the past uh, however many years. Okay. Well, um, I've, um, I, like I've said before, like 95% of your listeners, probably I don't own any ground. Um, I am fortunate enough to, you know, live in Mount Pleasant where I was born and raised, like we talked about, and have a good friend from high school who, you know, you and I both know we played football with and went to college with, um, his family owns some ground and his kids are not hunters. And he allowed me the opportunity to utilize his land. He's got, six different tracks um some as small as 10 acres some as big as 250 maybe pushing 300 and i'm not for sure without looking it up um acres i got about i would say 600 650 acres probably to hunt out there and um like I, by force i use fortunate as it's a strong word um very blessed it's in probably one of your better areas in southeast iowa yep. um it's it's along it's along the Skunk River, um, which if you're familiar with Sally Style, it runs, you know, pretty much to the county. And uh it's it's got it's got it's got everything. It's got big timber, it's got ag fields, it's got CRP, it's got creek bottoms, it's got big deep draws. Um, it's really it's, I mean I would I maybe I'm biased, but I would consider it one of the best properties, one of the best areas to hunt. Um it yeah. seems to have the trifecta, it's got them all. Um yeah. big 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 mature deer are taken out of there every year um i'm fortunate enough to to not have a ton of outfitters yet although they're moving in on me um closer and closer every year it seems to be you know with the price of everything going up and outfitters are just paying outlandish prices now um but i'm praying that my farmer holds strong but uh it's um it's a mixture of i would say he's got more in crp then ag field um and then it's just got little sections of timber little fingers that that we don't own the big timber per se but we butt up to it so i'm just i'm just having big success running fingers that and with you know kind of little ravines all the way out into the crp that then eventually lead up into the crop ground um and every one of my properties um is is uh you know has a high point and a low point meaning that none of them are flat um, and I consider that, um, I use that to my advantage as well, um, from scouting purposes all the way up into harvesting animals. 
um, being able to see them. And like I said, you just got to, you know, you do your homework um, through amongst those camera, amongst those properties that I have there. Excuse me. I'm running um, 15 trail cameras, which, um, like I said, I'm a working class man. Um, uh, Sportsman's Guide has been my friend. I got an array of cameras, um, garage sale cameras, you know, the, whatever I can do to get a camera out there, I'm doing it. Um, I also, I'm running, I have 20, I think 22 stands up. And by stands, I mean 15 or $50 ladder stands, the 15 footers that you can get at any of your local Menards, <laughs> um, you know, Dick's, Shields or whatever. Once again, Sportsman's Guide. Um, and I did that for a reason. I used to ha- I have, I used to have lone wolves. I still have some lone wolves. Um, um, but to describe myself, I guess I'm a big guy. Um, I'm, you know, pushing 280 pounds. And for me on a lone wolf, all day sit is not working. Um, yeah. per- perfect for what they're designed to do. Not for pretty much what I do. Um, yeah. and growing, um, you know, I'm not made of money. So I utilize one lone wolf and I buy a ton of $50 ladder stands and I can hang my lone wolf up off the side of it. Um, kind of in a cameraman hunters type scenario and uh, which allows my son to get up in the stand with me. And I'm not, I'm not out of ton of money. So, um, I, I, and it's taken me, I've been hunting now for nine years. One of those years I was in Afghanistan. So eight years total, um, bow hunting. And, um, you know, it's taken me, I started with a bow that you gave me, which I still have, by the way, that old bow that your uncle gave you or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you even remember that? <laughs> I, I, I don't even, was it, what, what brain was it? A bear? I, yeah, it's, I, I, dude, I do curls with it sometimes. It's so heavy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's, but I mean, I started with nothing. I started with a hand-me-down yeah. bow from you. And, uh, a, a Walmart tree stand, I think was my first tree stand. Um, and you know, and to this day, I don't have anything special. I, I yeah. still have my camo is Walmart camo. Um, I just, you know, you got to choose to invest your money wisely. Um, I invested in under armor or under armor, Dharma gear, um, you know, better, better under layers than I would my outer layers. Um, yeah. so it kind of got subject to the property there, but sorry about that. But anyway, no, that's um, fine. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm just a tip. It's a, it's a typical Iowa landscape, rolling hills. Um, like I said, lots of fingers. There's big timber out there, which allows me to see a ton of deer. And then also allows me to not see any deer. Um, so it just depends on the time of year, uh, that, that, that things are rocking when, when I'm out. So talk to us a little bit about how you approach every season. Uh, how do you start off? What's your strategy as far as maybe like a game plan from October 1st? I know you mentioned a little bit about, you know, setting tree stands in July and stuff, but talk to us about how you, how you approach every deer season and then maybe leading up to when you, you start taking time off work for, for rut. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Iowa, um, both season opens up October 1st. Um, or right about there every year. Um, by then I have a good, a good solid, um, understanding of what bucks are on my property, um, where the does are at, where the bucks are at. Um, and you know, I kind of quote unquote have my hit list or whatever you want to call it, um, going. And, um, and then I, I usually 
you know, I we like to eat and we like to eat uh, venison in particular. So, so my mindset is fill the freezer. October first rolls around, I'm gonna go out two or three days in that week time frame. You know, pending winds and weather and whatnot, and and schedules. And um, I just try and you know, I'll buy three or four dough tags and I just try and fill the dough tags. Um, I can honestly say, up until this year, I I don't think I've ever seen a buck during daylight before like October 15th on my property. And even then after that, it's very sporadic and not regular by any means, you know, very hard to pattern. I've never, I've never really been a big, um, I know that kind of contradicts how a lot of the hunting, hunting people talk is I'm not big or, I mean, I pattern them, but I've, I don't want to screw anything up. If that makes sense. I don't, I want to, I, I know I have a better chance during the breeding period, during the rut. So I'm, I just, I, I, I sneak in and I don't go too far in. I stay out of my, in my big spots and my good spots. And I just know where the does are. Like I said, I got ag fields. I'll go sit along one of those somewhere. And sh- you know, it's, it's not very hard to show the doe tag where we're at. The deer population is out of control down there. And, um, you know, and I've been trying to do my part with my family as well as harvesting, harvesting deer out of that property. We were able to take, we took 19 doe off one of my properties, not all of my properties, one of my properties last year. Um, and I mean, they're just, it's, it's crazy. There's that, it kind of, I think it kind of goes alongside with the outfitters moving in. Um, you know, they're only harvesting bucks. Um, and we'll get into the, my, my rut hunt later on, but I, you know, um, as far as the population goes, it's out of whack. And, um, so we're, we're doing our part. And, um, so like I said, I feel, I'm filling the freezer and then I'm done. I'm not taking any time off work, um, during the month of October. Um, I don't have a lot of kind of get a lot of time off work. You know, I don't, I'm not self-employed. Like I said, I work for the state of Iowa, so I probably do get a little more vacation time than most people do. Um, and comp time and whatnot, but coming about usually about the first of November, they're right about Halloween. Um, you know, Halloween's is out for me obviously i hunted during the day this year um because i knew it was going to be hot and Halloween was actually a pretty nice day down here um as far as hunting weather goes but you know take the kids trick-or-treating and whatnot and then i actually started my my rutcation or whatever you want to call it the that monday um november 1st and that's that's when i start taking off work okay um so building up building up to that are you are you checking trail cameras? You mentioned you had 15 of them. Are you checking trail cameras every weekend up to that? Are you letting them soak? How are you, how are you knowing what areas to start your, your rut vacation? Um, I, it's, it, it all, every year is different. And you know that as well as everybody else does it all in my, in my neck of the woods, it depends on the crops. Yeah. Um, up until let's say November 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, up until November 5th, I had standing corn on every one of my properties, which made it super tough. Um, now, to get back to your question, I, I check my trail cameras. Um, I'm, I'll usually check them usually that day before Halloween. And, and by that time, I've kind of moved them out where they're not necessarily, I can get to them easy. You know, I'll hop on, excuse me, I'll hop on my four-wheeler or whatever and, and cruise around the property and, and just do, I would consider daily farmal farming moves, you know? Yeah. Um, so the deer are used to it. Um, my okay. farmer is a coot hunter and he's out there all the time running dogs and, you know, and I'm, and, and I'm still able to see and harvest mature Iowa whitetail. So right. that proves the point that 
you know, as long as you're not in there every day doing stuff, but if you're doing normal, normal work and whatever, the deer get used to it. Yeah. Um, so I so have a, I have a coon hunter on my property as well. And I've noticed that when, after they come through, um, when they come through, there's like a two or three day period where I'm not seeing anything, but it, it's not like a buck busts you in the tree stand where there's a possibility of him just being gone forever. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like the recovery time for me is two or three days. Do you see, are you seeing times like that or is it, does it not bother him at all? I don't, you know, to be honest with you, that's kind of hard to answer. Um, he, he knows not to go in there like this time of year, he respects okay. that I hunt. And so he's doing me a solid on that one. Gotcha. But, um, I've, I've got pictures of my trail camera of him being in there the night before I've harvested dough, you know, you know, right. and then so I'd harvest harvested dough and then I'd go check my trail camera on the way out and, and, and there'd be deer on it. So I don't, I think my properties are big enough and there's enough fingers and, you know, chin high CRP that they just go get lost. Um, yeah. I don't even think they necessarily even leave the property to be honest with you. Um, if they do, gotcha. just think, you know, they come right back. There's enough sanctuaries out there to where they feel safe that right. I, I honestly don't think it even, they even bat an eye. I could be wrong, but, um, historically I've never had any issues with them. Okay. So, over the years, you know, you, you, you mentioned you have, you know, what you would call maybe limited vacation. You're not, you're probably not using all of your vacation just to hunt. You're probably doing it for other family activities as well. But how much, how many days of vacation are you dedicating to your, your rut vacation? Um, this year I dedicated 40 hours, so one working okay. week. Gotcha. Um, with, you know, obviously the weekends on both sides. So I had, so I had, you know, a, a week, a week, a solid week of hunting, um, nine days. Um, in years past, I'm trying to think two years ago was, I took 80 hours and, um, last year I took 80 hours vacation. Uh, and I, and I took 80 hours this year as well, but, um, I wasn't, I was going to go back to work last night. I'm going back tonight for my first night, but, um, but I do that because you never know. You never know the right. weather. I don't do it per se to hunt. I'm planning on only using, you know, 40 hours. But if it was 80 degrees last week and I knew it was going to be 80 degrees this week, this coming week, and warm, so I just hunted last week because I was seeing deer all day long. Gotcha. So I just elected to, to grind it out. Um, but it was easier to do the 80 hours the last couple years because my children were littler. So we weren't doing big vacations. We were doing like family vacations. I mean, you know, we were doing little weekenders to Kansas city, St. Louis, you know, wherever to see family and whatnot. Um, but this past year we took a big vacation. We finally went out West and did South Dakota, you know, and the whole, whole nine yards out there. So, so that limited my vacation this year. So I just right. kind of took 80 and only knew I was going to use 40 hours. Gotcha. Okay. So, you know, now, now it's time to take your vacation. Uh, you got basically five days plus the weekends. So you're talking about nine straight days, basically that you can dedicate to hunting. Where do you start and what is your, what's your daily plan? Well, um, I, I guess the night before I started, um, and I started grinding it, 
what I just, you know, like any other check the wind. Um, I, and maybe this contradicts, I know you're a big wind guy. Um, I also, I play the wind, but I don't always play it to the exact that I probably should. I'm a gambler. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I have limited places to go and whatnot. And I've also have others, other hunters out there and whatnot. So it's kind of in our place, it's kind of communication and first come first serve. So my butt's getting up bright and early and I'm out there well before sun up. And I'll just, and I, and I'll just pick a spot where I've historically seen deer, um, trail cameras are showing movement or whatever, you know, during the daylight and, um, and where I know the does are at this time of year. I mean, where there's those, there's going to be bucks sooner or later. Right. Find them, those, you know, the, the, the catch all is find the does. Right. And, uh, you know, and, um, I do what, you know, the same routine every morning, get up, you know, sent free shower, get, you know, get out, get dressed, get out to the timber, get dressed again. Um, you know, and, and sneak in, start my hike in. Um, you know, and I, and when it comes to that, I already pre-stage most of my stands. Most of my stands have like my bag hanger already in there. You know, I just use those cheap three, I think I call them turkey foot hangers. There's three little figures on them. Screw it in. Um, I, so when I get there in the morning, all I got in my, 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 uh, tree stand harness is already around the tree. Um, my strap. So I, I clip in, I hang my bow hanger up. I lift my bow up, get the bag up and I'm ready to rock. So, you know, two minutes, it's super easy. And, uh, right. but as far as strategy goes, like I said, I just find my nose and play the wind as best as possible. And, um, I just kind of set some feelers out, you know, that first morning, which would have been last Monday, um, you know, woke up the woods with a little bit of soft rattling and calling and, you know, and it worked. And so you just kind of got to touch and go, um, right. one property, you know, I hunted on Monday, the first Monday I saw three of my shooter bucks all cruising on Monday and it was like 78 degrees and I'd see them throughout the day, all day, a couple different times. Um, the next day I hunted a hundred yards across the road and saw like 30 groups of doe and no buck whatsoever chasing, cruising. They were not paying any attention. So every property is different when it comes to your strategies there, even that close, you know, one property, the rut's on and one property is completely hasn't even started yet. So, so my, my question to you is you have your 15 trail cameras when it comes to the rut and starting to rut, how often are you checking those trail cameras and are, are you, are, are you more focused on trying to find the doe groups and hunt the doe groups or, uh, trying to locate a buck on the trail camera? Yeah. As far as checking the trail camera goes, I'm checking them when I walk by them. I'm not making a special trip to another property, you know, um, and the, to get down, at, I only have 40 hours, you know, nine days to hunt, like we've discussed. I'm not going to spend two hours of my vacation time to go check trail cameras. Um, if I'm walking by them, you know, I'll swap the cards and check them on my phone or whatever when I'm in the stand. Um, and then like, um, a couple, you know, another, another gentleman and his son hunt the same property as me. And so they also, if they're walking by to their stands and they see my camera, they'll switch the card or whatever. As far as I'm not trying to really find a buck unless, unless I'm not seeing anything. If I am, you know, it's dead two days, no bucks. I'm talking not even like a dink buck, just no bucks, which we all have those days. Um, 
then I might make a special trip in to try and locate a buck. They got to be somewhere and I got to have, you know, with that many cameras, I have to be able to get a picture of them somewhere. But for the most part, the, you know, in my neck of the woods, the doe patterns don't change. Um, so I don't need to go find the does. Um, I might sit in an observation stand per se, um, you know, in the morning or whatever to kind of see, but that's about it. As far as my ruts, my rut, rut scouting goes, um, okay. I'm, there's enough big deer. I mean, you're familiar where I'm at. There's enough big deer out there that you you potentially could just you, you just got to be out there. Um, time. Yeah, grind it out. Okay. No matter what, um, heat, snow, rain, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, you just you just yeah. got to be out there. You can't. You know, what's to say you can't kill them from the couch? Well, you can't kill them checking trail cameras. You can't kill them driving around scouting. You can't kill them unless you're in your stand. Right. And that's so, under my motto. So you, you told me that you put in a lot of hours over the years in the tree stand. Um, are you sitting uh, during your vacation? Are you sitting from sun up till sundown all each and every day? No matter what, each and no every day. What. Um, so and it's Tuesday. What's the, today's the ninth. I started on the first. I've got over a hundred hours in the tree stand in the past nine days. Um, sun up to sundown, no matter what. Um, it was 80 degrees last week. Um, you know what? If I'm far enough away from my house to my hunting properties that I can't justify coming back into town midday. Um, right. I'm out in the boonies. There's no place to go eat. Um, if I'm going to go to my truck and take a nap, I might as well sit in my tree stand. Um, and that's kind of, and that's been beneficial. I shot 150 inch last year at one o'clock in the afternoon and it was 84 degrees out. Um, I was literally cutting the sleeves off my shirt, my long sleeve hunting shirt when you walked up. Um, it was that, it was kind of stupid hot and, you know, and yeah. never, and never would have known it. Um, had I not been there. So right. if you're taking time off away from your family, away from your job, set your butt in the tree stand. That's, that's the time of year. You have to do it. If you're going to so, kill a deer, you have to be in the tree stand. So, you know, a lot of people always talk about mornings and evenings being the best time for movement. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I hate hunting all day long. I, I like to move. I like to move around a lot. Um, what for someone like you who sits sun up to sundown in the same tree stand, what kind of midday movement are you seeing this time of year? If um, any? This this year, earlier on, the first week of November, um, I saw movement all day long. I mean, I saw my number one at 2.45 in the afternoon last Tuesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe, um, just, just cruising. Um, now, this Monday, the 7th, and then um, I sat all day, and I even moved, moved a tree stand, which is big for me. I got down. And took a 20 minute walk to my other tree stand to sit up there just because I was throwing. I mean, it was a Hail Mary. I knew I was coming. It was coming down to the wire. Um, yeah. So I did something. Um, and I was having a lot of success with our south wind. I have a money set up for a south wind tree stand. Uh, and the neighboring property still had standing corn. And I was hunting the finger that led to that. So it was money. I was seeing deer all day long and big deer. Unfortunately, they just weren't at the stage in the rut where they were responding. 
Um, I can grunt and get their attention. I can rattle and get their attention and they might come, but they're not, they're coming to like 60 yards. They're, you know, I don't have a decoy. Had I had a decoy or had there been another little junk spike or something sitting around there, they probably would have came in, but they weren't committing to the calls yet. So I didn't have any success there. Um, so it just depends on your setup really. And every year I've always had good luck in midday that 10 to two. And you hear it throughout the hunting industry that 10 to two during the rut, you still need to be in the tree stand. And I'm a firm believer of that. Um, if anything, you're going to, that's when you're going to catch those, those bucks that you've never even seen before that, you know, you know, there's good deer out there, but you've never seen them. That's when you're going to see them. is when they're, when everything else is dead and they're up cruising for tail. Yeah. Um, I need a more comfortable tree stand. I think if I'm going to be hunting, if I'm going to be hunting all day, I need a more comfortable tree stand. Those, uh, those $50 ladder stands suck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, you you do what with what you got. And, and hunting is, to me, it's a passion. I'm very passionate about it. I'm, um, you know, I'm a firm believer in it. Um, and it's traditions and ideals. I use it as a coping mechanism. Um, with some of the problems I have, you know, from being overseas and whatnot. And it's, you know, I can honestly say that hunting and hunting activities and friends that I've met through hunting have saved my life. You know, they've helped me stay focused, grounded, you know, and, and it just, and that's what it's about. Um, in my little notes here to talk about, I have um, one of my key things here that I want to talk about was you need to surround yourself with other hunters. When, when stuff is bad, it's bad for generally, you know, when the ruts, when they're on lockdown, they're on lockdown for everybody. You know what I mean? Use your friends, use your, your, you know, whatever the be a blog, a podcast, you know, social media, whatever, ask questions, see what people are doing. Um, you're never, you never know everything. Um, I don't, I'm not an expert hunter by any means. And I, you know, I joke and mess up as much as everybody else, but, uh, I, I use guys like you, you know, and social media and whatnot. And I just ask questions and we're texting all day long um, to yeah. see what other people are seeing and, and go from there, adjust fire and still accomplish the mission. Right. Right. So let's talk about, let's, let's transition into this year um, mm-hmm. a little bit. Let's talk about what you were seeing on trail camera. You mentioned you were, you saw your hit list buck on November 1st or 2nd uh, this year um, mm-hmm. at like two forty-five in the afternoon what um talk about the deer you know everybody wants to talk about uh the antlers and the scores and the age class talk to us talk to us a little bit about the uh you know the the deer that were on your hit list this year my um my goals this year were very similar to yours i wanted to harvest a mature whitetail um i can't tell you what any of my bucks have scored um, I could guess to me. I've got a couple 145s to 150s on the wall. Um, no true, true Iowa Giants. My two biggest bucks are, I can honestly say, are probably three-year-olds, just giant three-year-olds. But they were my my first bow bucks. I mean, I hunted, what do we say, eight years? It, I just killed my first buck with a bow three years ago. Yeah. So, so it's not like, you know, I had five years of, of mistakes and wanting to jump out of the tree stand and throw my bow and sell it and just be done and everything. So, um, you know, obviously my first goal, harvest a good buck. Um, now during those first five years, I was passing bucks because I was hanging out with guys to like the view 
<laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and I'm reading show cameras, and I understood, you know, I, I listened to your philosophy. You can't kill the small ones if you want to shoot big ones. You know, you have to let them grow. Um, so in hindsight, I probably would have done a couple things different um, in my earlier years, bow hunting, just because there's no better practice for killing deer than killing deer. Right. Um, you know, whether that be does, bucks, whatever, that's how you're going to learn. Shot placement, angles, you know, whatever. You're going to learn your equipment and whatnot. So, um, like I said, I've got a couple nice bucks on the wall. Um, this year, I wanted to take an old mature deer. Size doesn't matter to me. Um, as far as whatever goal and a challenge, I guess, that I, I challenged myself was to do that. So I used my camera knowledge and my history with deer and, and pinpointed a couple, a couple older deer. Um, now that, that's not to say a couple of them younger ones. I passed, Dan, I'm not lying. I passed a three-year-old that's about 160 inches and he was hard. I didn't even pick up my bow because I knew I was going to shoot him if I did. And, and I, and I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not one to talk inches, but my God, he was big. Um, but he just, his body was overwhelmingly yeah, small. Just, you, you could 100% tell he was a three-year-old. I mean, looked like, you remember those kids when we were like in middle school playing football that had to wear the varsity helmets? <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you were one of those kids. Um, but anyway, like, that's what it looks like. <laughs> they had to wear the varsity helmets because their heads were so big. Their heads were so big. <laughs> like, that's what he looked like. And and I have I have a bunch of deer that are in that caliber on my property. So in a couple of years, I'm hoping it's you know it's going to be money. But um, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was the, one of the funniest things. You know, those kids that had to wear the varsity helmets. <laughs> like, I have no no better ex- other explanation. But that's what I'm talking about. You can totally tell. Um, yeah. So I'm looking for. Um, I got a thing for big eight pointers, um, as I know that you do as well. Um, so I had a couple eight pointers that I've been watching for the last couple of years that were, were 100%, um, going to get shot if they walked, walked by me. As a matter of fact, my son, I put my son on, a, on one and he had a, that's a whole nother story, but, um, he listened to me probably too well, I guess you could say, which never happened on on probably 155 inch eight and that would have been a second buck during the youth season this year so or during mu- early muzzleloader this year in iowa so um he was pretty down the dumps about that but so i'm i'm not looking for anything in particular um i just you know i don't i'm not going to set my goals on a drop like it's got to be a drop tire i'm not shooting or it's got to be you know 12 inch g2s or whatever it doesn't matter to me um i just whatever i'm feeling that year is kind of how i'm going to challenge myself and this year it was an old mature an old mature deer yeah yeah and um and he walked by this year so so (laughs) i accomplished my goal so but 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 that's not you know it's not as simple as that because as far as the buck that you ended up killing this year you had a you had a couple encounters with him before the day that you actually shot him right Correct. Walk us through walk us through those first couple encounters this year before the actual kill. Okay. Um <clears throat> talk to, talk also talk to us about like the stand location and get into detail about okay. the terrain. I'm I'm a huge advocate for lack of a better term, stupid spots. 
if that makes sense to you. Um, here I am. I have grade A property in grade A location. And there's always been, there's this 13 acre piece, okay, on an S curve off a of gravel road that my farmer owns the other 100 acres on the other side. And he got this scrub piece on, on the west side of the road. And my whole time, I'm like, man, there's got to be deer back in there. Nobody ever hunts it. There's nothing back there. So I put up a stand um, down in the creek bottom. It's 13 acres, okay? I go out there October 1st in a, in a, in a creek bottom. Um, it's a west wind. I'm sitting on the west bank. So anything that's coming, I'm going to see through the timber. And, and, and on top of it is the neighbor, neighboring property's bean field, which still had standing beans in at that time. This was October 1st or 2nd, I believe. Um, and I got in the stand at 3.30, I think. You know, I worked nights, slept all day, got up, showered, got in the stand at 3.30. Um, had two doe tags and a buck tag in my pocket and was ready to go. And climbed in and at 3, I'm not even, I don't even have my bow hanger up yet. And I can hear the rocks on the creek start crunching. So I, you know, shimmy that bow up there, get all, get all set up. And the first deer, I'm not kidding. The first deer I see, uh, the 2016 season is the buck that I just harvested yesterday. Um, walking down the creek bed, it's 900 degrees out. Just, just wandering. Um, comes up, comes up the creek bed. There's an old oak tree that fell down and it blocks the, blocks the creek access. So they got to go left or right. And I got shooting lanes cleared out for either one, and they're completely within range. She comes right, which is up towards me. And I left a little, I don't even know how to, like a little, three little trees that are about six inches diameter. Because when he hops up there, they're, I'm only in 15-foot ladder stand, so they're pretty close to me by this time with the, with the steepness of the bank. And I was going to use that to go to draw. Um, so he comes up there and gets behind those things. He pokes his, his, uh, his antlers out in his head. I go to full draw. Um, he does not alert, does not scare, does not smell me. He's down or he's upwind for me. Everything's in my favor. He nibbles a branch and then just turns around and walks the way out of my grave. <laughs> At full draw, first deer. Um, first hunt of the season, first 10 minutes of the season. Um, I was devastated. And, um, once we start talking about my buff, you understand more about why I was devastated. But, um, so that night I ended up also accomplishing, I had a mission. I wanted to harvest, I wanted to do a double. I wanted to kill, you know, harvest two does in, in one sitting. Um, that night I also passed, um, 153 year old at like 15 yards. I don't know what was going on. It's just craziness. This 13 acres, I'm telling you, those stupid spots that nobody's ever been in is where you need to be. And, uh, I saw him and I shot, I was able to harvest two does that night, back to back, came in together. The other one never left. So she got harvested as well. Um, that first night in the stand, I saw 40 plus whitetail on 13 acres and two of them were shooter bucks. Gee, many Christmas. It was, it's, it's, it's Disneyland. Um, and, and, and then we'll get my rut story. And then, you know, I hunted there a couple of times during rut when we had the seldom West winds or Northwest wind. And had success, had success there. That's ended up, I ended up shooting my buck there this year. Um, just yesterday morning, um, same stand. I only have one, you know, 13 acres. I only have one stand up there. Um, but it's just using, I use Google maps 
your local beacon site or whatever, like everybody else does. And I look at the neighboring property as you should know your neighboring property as, as well as you know, your own property. So you can truly understand, you know, they're not my deer. They're not his deer. They're our deer. You know, the deer are, they're wild. So they go wherever they want to go. So I, I do my, my homework, um, you know, on my neighbor's property. So that way I can learn, well, you know, they're going to come this way off of that. And that's why, or that's why they're going to bed over there instead of here where I think they should be, you know? So, so that's kind of how, how it worked out. Um, so, so was that your only encounter with that buck? Um, this year, the, you know, it's like for day one, you come to full draw on him. Did you see him at any other times be- between that I, day? I had a camera. I had two cameras out on that property all summer long and did not get one picture of him. Not one. Which, what about previous encounters from uh, previous years? No. no. I've never hunted that property before. I was drilled by it. It's 13 acres. I have a 200 acre piece with corn and sand, big timber. Why would I hunt that 13 acres? Right. I mean, that was my thought process. Well, you know, as you grow, as you grow older, you learn to, to, you know, to try things, try new things. Um, and that's what I did. I took a gamble and it paid off. Um, I'd always seen a ton of doe over there. They cross, there's an S curve right there and they cross over the road and I almost always hit them like during the rut. And I, oh, right. the biggest buck I've ever seen on the hoof and up until this year rut was coming out of that timber two years ago. I almost ran over my truck coming out at night after hunting. Right. And so that's kind of the start of the thought process. Like, well, maybe that spot's not so stupid. Maybe I should get a stand there and try it out. And then I ended up tagging out that next day. Um, I actually, last year, that buck I shot in the afternoon, I was telling you about, I actually took that morning off to hunt, to hang a stand on that 13 acres. And to, after that huge buck, I almost hit with my truck and then went over to my other stand on the south wind because it was like 80 freaking degrees out that day and shot my buck and tagged out. So I never had a chance with that big boy. Nice. But, um, yeah, I guess the moral is always be willing to try try new stuff. Just because a property looks stupid, put your time in, get out there, grind it out, scout it. Um, that's what summers are for, right. you know. And and back to the family. That's how I include my family. Yeah. Um, you know, we go out and walk. We like to hike. We like to spend time outdoors. You know, we take the dogs and we go. And I so I just let my kids go. They'll go wander. Go play in the creek. They'll get dirty. But you know what? They'll come back. They'll know. They know what a scrape looks like and what a rub looks like. Daddy, I saw four rubs over there. All right, they're like little scouting dogs for me. If that makes sense. <laughs> oh, not like kids' dogs. But hey, go kids, and and they'll come back and tell me. And 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 that's what. And okay, you know, put it in a little, little mental bank and go from there. Nice. So what what did this little? I mean, when you walked in there for the first time this year, did you see a lot of sign? Yes. Um, there's a lot of big old growth down in the creek bottom, big old oaks and elms and whatnot. But along, and it's it's all, you walk in and from the road, it slopes down. It's CRP sloping down with a couple little fingers back in there, down into, and, and then, so it's little saplings all along there. All those are tore apart. Because um, I saw it last year when I snuck in there during the morning to hang that stand. And then this year, and I could see a lot of old rubs and scrapes from years past. Um, walking in this year. Um, and so I know that they're living, you know, they're bedding there. And then as you get in there farther, it slumps back up the other way up into the bean field. There's a perfect, like, 
Oh, I don't know. I'd probably say like 60 by 80 yards worked nice and flat, and it is just thick, nasty thorns. I mean, I thought about trying to get in there and put a stand. There's no way. There's no way. So I just, that's got to be the the bedding area. That's where they're at. Um, you know, they go 10, 10, 10 yards to the to the west, and they got a bean field. They go, you know, 150 yards to the east. They got standing corn, and they're on top of a creek bed. So what? they don't need to go very far. Right. So I just hugged that and used the terrain. Um, found a funnel and used the train to my advantage. Nice. So, okay. So October 1st or 2nd, you were at full draw of this buck. Did you, did you end up seeing him before the, the night that you shot him? I saw him once early morning last week. I don't remember if it was like Wednesday or Thursday. Um, it was a cold, one of the cold mornings. I think it was, Thursday morning was kind of chilly last week. Um, I'd seen him and two or three other shooter bucks that morning up in a bean field that had just been picked. Um, same, same property. Um, I'm, I can kind of see up. There's just a couple saplings. I'm on the property edge. And uh, so I can see out of the bean field. And I saw him out there. Um, once again, you know, through the, through the kitchen sink at him, you know, grunts, leads, rattling, snort weeds, nothing. They'd come into. 50, 60 yards, but never commit because there was nothing to commit to. Yeah. And, um, you know, they don't get that, that old being done. So, right. So I'm no right. there. Well, we're, we're coming up on an hour here. Why don't we end this with, uh, the story of the day, you know, cause what we're recording this on a Wednesday night and you ended up shooting. Did you shoot this buck on Monday or Tuesday? I shot on Tuesday morning. Yesterday. Tuesday morning. So yesterday morning, um, talk us about going into that, that set on Tuesday morning and, you know, talk to us about the wind direction, um, what the temperature was like, what deer you were seeing and up until the point where you, you ended up harvesting him. Okay. Well, we'll start with Monday. Monday I sat all day in my best spot and I saw one hundred twenty inch buck chasing a doe and I saw two like basket racks at 8 30 in the morning and i didn't see another doe another deer the rest of the day um and and i and so i like i said i i work nights and weekends so i go back last night was tuesday nights are my monday nights in the work week um so last night was my first night back to work and so we're a day out for me going back to work and i'm thinking great they're in lockdown what the heck's going on i have no idea what's going on you know, whatever, check the wind. The next day is a Northwest wind. So now we're to Tuesday morning and it's like, I don't know, 40 degrees, which is, which is pretty cold for what, what it has been. Um, Northwest wind. I'm going back to where I've seen the most deer, the most doe, the most buck, which happened to be that 13 acre piece. Um, and just so happens the Northwest wind is the best wind for it. Um, I use, uh, um, the Sam Clora American Outdoors, uh, doe mistress did a drag rag in, um, hung it from a tree, sit down. A doe actually follows that up downwind from me, comes downwind. And, um, I'm thinking, great. I'm seeing doe again. Like it's a rut. So there's gotta be a buck around here somewhere. Well, that was at first light. So like six 30, maybe a little bit before maybe like six 15. It wasn't even shooting yet. Right. Um, and so 6.30, 6.45 rolls around. 
and I see another doe out in the bean field and another doe. And I see the same group. There's like four does out there that I've seen all week long every time I'm out there. And there's no bucks. They don't even pay them any attention. So I don't know what's going on. So to be to be honest with you, I say a quick little prayer, just like kind of because this is Tuesday morning. I go to work Tuesday night, you know, and I'm going to hunt all day and not sleep and go into work, which is a bad idea in case you're wondering. But I do. <laughs> anyway, uh, I say a quick little prayer, just thanking you know that I'm safe. I was able to hunt. And, you know, this must be what it feels like. It's been a couple, you know, I've been blessed the last couple of years, um, with, you know, with being able to harvest, harvest deer. So, um, and about 15 minutes later, I was just, I just kind of look over and there's four doe, the same four doe are out in this bean field. And here comes, um, my buck, um, on the neighbor's property. There's a, I would say it's like an old two track, just an old, like four other path, whatever, through this timber. It's just a little finger, um, that leads out to an old farmhouse. And, uh, and it's on my neighbor's property. So not mine. So I can't shoot there. And he comes out, he literally looks at the doe in this cut bean field. There's four of them. I give him one little love grunt and he's at probably 80 yards at this point. He doesn't even pay him any attention. He looks over to the grunt and jumps the fence and walks the trail. And he's, and he's literally nose to my, my drag rag at seven yards. Um, and that was all she wrote for him. Um, Sean made a good shot. He ran back out to the bean field and ended up going face first off like a 20 foot ravine and made my life a living hell for the next couple hours trying to get him out. But I mean, the, the down and dirty is that's, that's it. I mean, it was, and he was, didn't, he didn't even pay those though a minute, a lick of attention. I don't know. He he must've known or sent checked him earlier that they, they weren't in heat or something they weren't there. Yeah. And he was just looking. Um, and I'd known that obviously I knew that that was a buck bedding area. So I focused my attention and he, he came right instead of left and that allowed me to get a shot. Nice. Well now, now explain to everybody. I mean, there's, if you want a picture, go to the website or go to my Facebook page. Cause we'll have a, uh, we'll have a picture there for you guys to look at, but explain, you know, what do you think this deer is as far as age and rack? Um, I, age wise, I'm saying six, maybe six and a half. Um, I was out, um, at one of our mutual friends this morning taking some pictures. So I'll have to get you some better pictures by the way. Um, but, uh, he said he thinks he's seven or eight. Um, nice. he's just an old, I mean, dude, the neck on this sucker is uh, no joke. Um, that's what I told, you know, most guys, when they take their, their bucks for the taxidermist, they say, hey, make the, lock, the rack look as big as possible. Like I said, dude, make that neck. Buy two molds. Make it huge. <laughs> like, is that, that's literally why I shot him. Um, and then, well, not the only reason that we'll talk about here in a sec. Um, going to the rack size, he's, I would be, generous at saying he's going to score 145 but he's got 15 scoreable points with i would i'm i haven't measured it a five and a half six inch drop time off his right main beam and once i saw the drop time um i knew that that was the buck i was at full draw um so you can imagine the heartbeat first year first sit first 15 minutes is a drop time buck um that you didn't know it was there so this year, very blessed for my surprise buck to be a drop time buck. Um, talk about a once in a lifetime opportunity. I hope, I hope it's not, but, um, 
very well could be. Um, and most hunters that I've talked to, I mean, I, I, do you have any history with any drop time bucks, Dan? Uh, I'll be honest with you. I have seen in my, in my 15 years or 20 years of bow hunting, I've seen one drop time buck from the tree stand and I have zero pictures of a drop time buck. Yeah, those, suckers are, those suckers are ghosts. Some guys just yeah. get all the pictures, but not you yeah. and me. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, in my eye, my goal was to accomplish a mature, um, eye tail. Um, and and I did it. And I, with the help of my family, and they're as much of a part of this process as anything. Um, it meant the world to us. And my kids already got a spot picked out on the wall. And uh, for for those of you who know, um, we actually came up. This is I'm making it public right now, Dan. Um, okay. We, we officially named it tonight at supper. And okay. you named um, the buck at supper tonight with your kids. Yeah. It's, it's a family affair when we name our deer. Okay. And, um, in, in honor of the election, I said, I think we should name him the Donald. <laughs> Donald Trump. And my six year old says, no, dad, we're going to name him the Donald buck after Donald. Duck. <laughs> so it is officially the Donald buck, the Donald buck. I got gotcha. you. Yep. Com- compromise, yeah. right? Yep. And and that's fine with me. And um, we picked a spot on the wall tonight, actually, after supper, before our phone call here tonight, uh, where we're going to be able to put him here this spring when we pick him up. Perfect. Well, I tell you what, man, Brent, thank you very much for coming on. Congratulations for another stud buck. And uh, heck, you got shotgun season yet, and you got uh, you got late season, so you oh. could be doubling down this year. Brother, I got my son still got a buck tag. Um, Iowa, I don't know if you're Iowa offers an apprenticeship license this year. Um, oh, really? which, which means that as long as like my, so my wife, what I'm trying to say is my, my wife, Jesse is going to shotgun hunt this year. Um, right. they know it's essentially, they're trying to encourage non-licensed hunters to, to get licensed. Um, because you know, my wife's not going to go sit at, you know, I'm not going to say her age, but her age with a bunch of high school kids and take a, a hunter's ed class unless right. she absolutely loves it. So as long, so you can do it twice in a year. Um, so we're going to go shotgun and turkey season and hopefully she's able to part and you get, you just go to Walmart or whatever and get this apprenticeship license and you're able to get a tag. And oh, that's so, pretty cool. I, I just, literally, I just, I subscribed to the Iowa DNR webpage, like email alerts or something. I don't know. I must've been bored at work or something. <laughs> and, uh, and I got an email about it. So I did some research and that's what, yeah, you just go to your local shop and you can get them. Perfect. And so you know, I have her, she'll have an any sex Iowa shotgun tag. My son's youth buck tag is still good. Um, he's still got a doe tag. And then I obviously will get my late season tag. So we're hoping to put some more meat in the freezer. So Nice, nice. Well, good luck the rest of the year. And uh, thanks for coming out on the show, man. Hey, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to Brent for coming on the show, taking time out of your day and away from your family to record the podcast. Huge shout out to each and every one of you guys who listen to the show, guys and gals and boys and girls or whatever you are. Uh, Thank you very much. I appreciate the time it takes to download and the time it takes to listen. Um, And I really hope and I'm honest when I say this man I, I hope you guys are finding success one tip man the rut is 
probably right in the middle stage right now. Uh, like I said, I, I took a drive the other uh, last night and um, saw a lot of deer movement, uh, lots of bucks chasing does, so forth and so on. But I really want you guys to know that I, I want you to find success, but at the same time, one thing that happens, you get complacent this time of year and you're tired, you've been grinding it out and you don't want to move a tree stand, you don't want to set it up or tear it down, and you need to. Don't get lazy this time of year. It could prevent you from uh, getting a big buck, but that's uh, that's neither here or there. Another huge shout out. Thank you very much to the sponsors of the show, DeerLab.com backslash Nine Fingers. Go check out DeerLab. Get a free 30-day trial. And then Exodus Trail Cameras, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. And uh, if you guys decide to purchase a trail camera, enter the code Nine Fingers. That's the number nine, followed by the word fingers, no spaces, and you will receive $20 off your purchase. Get out there hunt hard oh i forgot go to itunes leave a review uh, of the podcast uh i love some of you guys are jokers <laughs> leaving some funny reviews out there but uh, uh leave a review uh, and uh, let people know what you think of the podcast and now it's time for you to learn how you can win uh, strap release. It's a it's a strap or wrist release of your choice from Trueball, and that is the first thing you have to do is go to the Nine Finger Chronicles Facebook page and share this podcast that we did today, Brent Rich with uh, Hunter Profile BS Session with Brent Rich. Then go to Trueball's website. And I want you to mention, comment, Nine Fingers sent me. So by doing those things, sharing this Hunter Profile podcast on your t- on your Facebook page, then going to Trueball's Facebook page and commenting, Nine Fingers sent me, uh, you will be entered in to win the release of your choice. And then I will select one winner at random. And uh, you'll be able to pick it out, and I'll call the guys up at Trueball, and they'll send it to you. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Guys, like I mentioned before, we start to get tired this time of year, uh, complacent, we forget things. Don't forget your safety harness. So when you're up in a tree, wear your damn safety harness, and good luck.